Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to One Thing More. I'm Dave Williamson. I'm joined today by Seth Neckers. We're both pastors at Zionsville United Methodist Church. Today is March 21st. Uh, we just watched Illinois get shot, uh, get get uh, upset by uh, Loyola Chicago. So uh, March Madness, yay! <laughs> but we're not going to reflect on March Madness. We're going to reflect on this morning and the uh, and the the message that we did on the church and the series we're in, the long story short. And so, um, Seth, why don't you get us started? Sure. I will say first, as a Big Ten alumni, it was pretty sad for me to, to just see the decimation that's happening to the Big Ten teams. I always hope that, you know, they'll at least represent well. Can't, can't say that today. But to the serious matter that, that actually, you know, really, really matters. Uh, I, I, I love the sermon this morning. Uh, one of the things that really stood out to me, I, I enjoy when you put up the slide that had uh, the maintenance minded church versus mission minded and thinking about how that applies to the, the different difference between the two and how that applies to us as individuals. What do we fall into? And, and us as, as an organization, as a, a community of, of believers, which do we, we tend to support? Um, and there's a challenge there. My wife and I were talking about it after the service that, you know, sometimes it can be, you could do the same thing, but the intent behind what you do can be the wrong intent or the right intent. And, um, I, I, I hate to say it, but I've heard so many churches say that the main reason why they exist is to keep the doors open. And I, I always have a hard time telling people, but I have to, like, you know, God doesn't care about the maintenance of your institution. <laughs> he, he doesn't care about just keeping this in existence. He cares about the world. He cares about the, the people that Christ loves and came and died and resurrected for. And that's why he's given us this mission, uh, which I think, you know, from the, the front of the sermon to the back of the sermon, you kept coming back to again and again. Yeah. And, and it's, and I was preaching, honestly, as much to myself as to others, which is often the case, but especially with this, because it is very easy, as I said at the end of the message, to get focused on, on the institution. Um, and, and to some degree, I, I do feel a call, like I'm called to the church. And I'm called to care for the church and to call it to be its best, but, um, but yeah, to to kind of recognize that the God's passion isn't for the institution, but for the people, um, and the God's passion is for, you know, I mean, it's it's clear in Scripture again and again and again that God's passion is for the for the lost, for those that are far from Him. Um, Jesus came to seek and save the lost. He said it I don't know how many times, um, and and so to to kind of keep that passion and and remember it even when um you know the the people pleaser in me wants to keep everyone happy and wants to keep the services humming and wants to keep the church growing but but to realize the heart of it has to be that we have to have the heart of our savior that that who came to seek and save the lost and that's that's who he was here for and that's who the church is supposed to be for mm -hmm. well it's even a challenge too of you know I think ideally the institution is always supporting that mission and that movement. Right. But, you know, it, it wants to, by nature, it will start to pull resources for itself. And so 
it's always one of those constant things we have to battle of we have to make sure that we are focusing on the church as a a mission and and i think even for us as individuals it's not the the temptation can be for us to think about what am i getting out of it you know what what's in it for me do i like this do i like that does this support this rather than uh you know Christ is sending me. He's not only called me in, recklessly called me in with his love, but is also relentlessly sending me out um, to my friends, my coworkers, my neighbors. Uh, you know, that's a that's a challenge to, to do that. We kind of want to fall back into, into our own personal maintenance mindset of this is <laughs> get some stability for me, right? Right. Well, there's, no, there's less risk in the stability. So well, and there's a tyranny of, uh, of what I call personal preference, you know, like the way I like worship to be, the way I, the songs I like, the, the kind of preaching I like, and the kind, you know, and especially with the, how many churches there are, it's, it's very easy for us to just choose, go, you know, we, this whole idea of church shopping, like we go shopping for a church that matches our preference, and, and that we and on the one hand, it's good. I do think we want to be part of a community of faith that challenges us and where we feel like our, our faith is growing. Mm -hmm. But if our preferences are only criteria for how we choose the community of faith we belong to, then as soon as those things change, then, oh, we just change churches. And that kind of hampers the, the whole idea of mission because to be mission-driven is to be willing to lay down personal preferences. I, I think about um, one of the first churches I served, there was... Uh, um, you know, the, the, the church was trying to do new things, uh, putting in screen, playing some contemporary music and, and doing things that were probably way outside of some of the, um, the boundaries of some. And I remember one of the older members I talked to who was in her 90s, she was real clear with me. She told me she, she hated the music and she didn't like my sermons, but we had, I mean, and that, it, she was blunt with me. Got but, personal there. Yeah, it gets a little personal, but she said, but she, she said, well, my grandchildren come to church now, and that to me is worth it, and, and so there was this, I mean, there's this willingness, like, in her, like, she could kind of, at least in her own family line, kind of think, you know, I'm willing to sacrifice my preference for what I want church to look like. If this is successful in reaching my children and grandchildren and reconnecting them to the church I love, then I'll lay that aside. And that's kind of always stuck with me is, you know, that she was this great example of someone who was missional driven in a way, mm -hmm. if that makes sense, who, who put mission over personal preference, you know? Yeah. Even I, if it was for her own family, but still it works. That's, hey. That seems like a rare story, you know, a rare story in many ways, but it, I, I love it. Um, I mean, we were talking about before we, we got on here that, you know, when we're coming together for worship, we all want to be able to worship in a way that allows us to open our hearts and, and, and worship God freely. And you, that's kind of hard if you don't, you know, care for the, the music and things like that. But I think you've, you've kind of laid out that, that tension there that, that we live in, but also prioritizing that, you know, it's not about me. Um, prioritizing the, the mission and the movement of, of the church. And I think when we're talking about, about this, we're not just talking about the way that we structure everything on a Sunday morning, 
right? I, we're talking about the way that we, we live as, as an entire church community, everything that we do, um, that ideally we're, we're going out into the world. Uh, we're being sent every Sunday. We gather every Sunday, but we're also being sent out into the world so that we can be, uh, it might make people a little uncomfortable, but everyday missionaries where we live, work, play, um, we live actually in the, the fastest growing mission field in the world. North America yeah. is the fastest, fastest growing mission field in the world. We, we tend to think of missions as something that happens out there, you know, at the ends of the earth, but it's really, it's, it's right here. It, it's, it's more and more like uh, the, the day of the disciples where we have to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. You know, there's that, as you said in the sermon, there's that expanding concentric rings of growing. We have those opportunities right near us. And um, I shared last, it would have been last year, 2020, in our, our visioning meetings that we did, that where our church building is within 20 minute driving radius, there are 250,000 people, 60% of which do not have a community of faith, regardless of what religion they identify as. So that's over 140,000 people who have no community of faith whatsoever. Um, that's enough that I, I, I've said it before that if every single church in our entire area, right, from the big churches to the tiniest little country churches, if all of them grew by 2,000 members overnight, that there still would be thousands of people unreached. So the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are are few. We we sit in a mission field that, that God is calling us to. Yeah. And you know, and what's crazy about that is I do think sometimes it's a lot easier to it's a lot easier to do the mission on someone else's turf than your own. Like um I mean it's 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 hard in your own neighborhood. The risks are higher, the relational risks are higher because you know, you don't want to be that kook or whatever, or, you know, you want to make everyone uncomfortable or get labeled. And so it's, it's easier sometimes to be doing missions and other places. I remember the town I grew up in was a small town in Tennessee. And we always did our mission trips somewhere in the Appalachian Mountains, right? Like we, we you know, we, we did, uh, did with, with group uh, work camps. And uh, so we would go to somewhere in the Appalachian Mountains, our youth group, and we would uh, sleep in the um, in the, in the gym of a, some high school, go out and do projects in the neighborhoods, you know, in the, in the neighboring uh, community, and then come back to the high school gym and have worship in the evening. That was a mission trip, right? And I remember I was in college the summer that group work camp picked my hometown as one of the sites for their summer mission. And so people came from all over the country to my hometown, slept in our gym, worked on homes and, and, and projects in the surrounding neighborhood. And I remember the embarrassment and shame of all the churches that instead of embracing this and saying, yes, come on, we're so excited for all of you to come. There was this real legitimate shame of them saying, wait a second, we can take care of our own. Why are you coming to our turf? And, and it was partially just obvious that needs that we had become blind to because they were just in our context that the, the it, and out, outsiders coming in were just able to see 
for better or for worse, they could see, look, there are needs right here that aren't getting met. And, but I remember that, um, that experience of being in college and, and seeing a work camp come to my hometown where we, we always thought we had to go somewhere else to do this work. And it was always available to us right there in front of us. And we were missing it. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, one of the things I mentioned briefly in the message was the, the messiness of mission, the, especially when you get inclusive and you, and you start bringing in people who, who don't share the same culture, or maybe have different cultural norms, it gets challenging. And, and one of the stories I didn't have time to tell in a message was um, from one of the first churches I served in North Carolina. And, and, and this church had a wonderful heart. Like, uh, and we were part of, we call it Interfaith Hospitality Network, but it's the same idea as Family Promise, where we would house families that were struggling with homelessness and, and um, and, and with a certain set of families, one particular week, our church bonded and they bonded with us and they wanted to keep coming to our church even after they weren't staying in our church. Um, and so we had volunteers who would drive the van every week to the IHN site um, and on Sunday morning pick up whatever families wanted to come to church, bring them to church with us. And there are some families that we kept doing this with for a long period of time. And it was this beautiful missional expression but I remember the particular Sunday when um, after church, some volunteers in the children's ministry approached me and they said, Dave, we have a problem because some of these kids that we're bringing, um, they act up, you know, they don't respect us. They don't behave, follow our, our, our behavioral norms and, and, it's, and it's getting hard. And I said, well, it's okay. You can, you know, hang in there. Like, but you don't understand, Dave. A lot of our kids are not coming to Sunday school now because it's disruptive and they don't want to be around those kids. And I remember just really wrestling with it like, oh, yeah, it gets messy. It gets hard. Like there are real sacrifices that happen when you get engaged in mission. And and we worked it out, you know, like we met with the families, met with the parents. And I mean, it 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 it, it worked out and we kept doing it like we the Thankfully, the church didn't give up on the mission and we kept moving forward. But I remember it was one of those moments where it was kind of real that, yeah, missional church is not clean. It, it's sometimes messy and hard. Yeah, it, it's probably not going to look exactly the way. The I, idealistic uh, picture you paint in your mind is going to be a lot messier than, than that. I, I've heard people say, too, that, you know, um, they said, well, we wanted our church to be, uh, you know, welcoming, but then there's all these cigarette butts outside the church building. And we're like, what's with that? It's like, well, you know, if, if you're doing your mission, you might have to put some smoker stations outside your doors. Like, you, you know, there's people, people are going to be messy when they come in. Like they're, they're not going to be perfect people. We're not perfect people. Sometimes we pretend to be perfect people. We're not perfect people. We're works in progress. Uh, but you know, you you get that that false reality that we create is shattered pretty quickly when we start doing, you know, really some, some real missions and real uh, missional living in our area. Uh, Doctor Story, who I mentioned in the message today, um, he used to reference the story of the paralytic who was lowered through the roof to Jesus, and he would, and he would always reference that story and say, "Yeah, when you start bringing people to Jesus." The, the building's going to get damaged. 
you know, your, your building will not be pristine if people are, are coming to Jesus and that's okay. And, but that's one thing to say it is another thing to live it and try to, uh, to embrace that. Yeah, this is all part of doing missions. This is part of reaching our neighbor and, and it's, it's okay. Yeah. I Which just gets you back to, I, I don't know what you were saying about being why, if you don't have a solid why for doing this, or if your why is just to grow or maintain the church, then yeah, you'll pull the plug on it because it's too costly. But if your why is missions, you, 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 you move forward. Mm -hmm. If your why is the same, same why as God out of that, that great love that he has, has for others, then yeah. You'll, you'll go whatever lengths it takes to find that one, you know, the, the one sheep that's wandered off and care a little less about what the 99 are barking at. Yeah. So what's your, um, when you think about this, Seth, uh, what's your hope or your vision at ZMC that, you, you know, people who are listening to this right now, what, what do you hope that they do or take away as a, as a result of this conversation? Well, I think one thing that I hope is that, I, I, I guess there's a couple of things. One, I, I hope that we all would examine our own hearts and the reasons of why we do what we do, you know, um, that's collectively, but then personally, why do we engage in the ministries we, we do or, or don't? And does it match God's heart, you know, for the world, God's heart for, for our neighbors? But then the second is just that our imaginations would be opened up. The realization that God has called us, he has a purpose for us in our community, more than just to exist as, as a building, an institution, an organization, but that we are there for the sake of our, our neighbors, for the sake of our community, for the sake of the world. Uh, to open the imagination of how might we engage in mission. Uh, as we were talking before, I... I I said that it was William Temple, who was the Archbishop of Canterbury during the Second World War, who uh, famously said that the church is the only organization that exists primarily for the benefit of its non-members. Uh, it's kind of a rough quote, but, you know, we don't exist for ourselves, that we exist for the world. So I, I hope that for us as a church, we would be thinking, how are we existing for our community? How can we uh, go in mission, in movement uh, to those around us. Yeah. And, I, and, and for me, I guess, I hope that people would, would become more mindful of the opportunities that we have to be missional, like every single day. I, the reality we're living in right now has created opportunities that never existed before. I mean, we talk as as pastors about just the way church has shifted online and we're barely scratching the surface of, of, of who we can reach through that platform. But that's just, that's just services and worship service. I mean, like, and programs, like it, we barely scratch the surface, I think of what can happen just relationally of loving our neighbors and being witnesses. Um, I think COVID has opened up so much need and, you know, need for neighbors to connect with each other, to encourage one another, to care for one another. And so my hope is, is that those who are listening, as you said at the very beginning, like we don't have to go to ends of the earth. Sometimes we can look right around us and those opportunities exist right there. We just have to, to 
open our hearts to the leadership and movement of the Holy Spirit, that he'll prompt us, you know, to, to, to reach out to the people right around us if we, if we listen. Amen. So anything else, Seth, as uh, we wrap up? No, we could talk about this for a lot longer. This is, I love talking about this kind of stuff, but uh, we're probably already past our time. So I would be glad if anybody wants to talk about it more personally, say, hey, I was interested in this or that. Get a hold of me and, and we can talk more. We can talk on the phone or, or whatever. We can set up a meeting. Yes, totally. If anyone's listening and thinking, gosh, I don't know if I'm connected or I feel a call, but I'm not sure how to live it out. That's exactly the kind of conversation that we as pastors live for. So reach out to us, let us know. And um, well, we wish everyone a great week and uh, look forward to seeing you next week. <laughs>